0: Hi everybody. Amen. My name is David. Great to be here with you. Uh, and my welcome to, to Tiffany's and the others uh, and hello to those people on the live stream as well. Great to have you with us. Uh, as Tiffany said, uh, we are beginning a new series this week in the Bible. Uh, we look at the Bible every week of course, uh, but this is a, a bit of a focused period uh, looking at this, uh, what, what this book is that we have in front of us. Uh, and so just a bit of background on this, uh, for those of you who are maybe maybe new or haven't been around here for a long time, uh, we did a series a couple of years ago uh, on, on 10 Big Beliefs, uh, a We Believe series. Everyone remember that series, kind of? Yeah. Uh, so uh, we, we wrote a, a statement of belief um, covering these 10 Big Beliefs, core elements uh, of, of teaching from the Bible uh, that we preach and teach here uh, not everything, uh, but, but things that throughout the centuries uh, have been uh, really important things to, to know and understand from Scripture. And so we did a series on uh, one of those per week a couple of years ago. And of course, they're such big beliefs uh, that we could only ever scratch the surface of them in one week. And so we thought, wouldn't it be great uh, to go back and revisit them uh, one at a time and just spend some more time digging a little bit deeper into uh, these beliefs, and so we've done the Holy Spirit, uh, we've done Jesus, and now we're doing the Bible. Um, and now, if you're like me, uh, you'll be super excited about doing theology. Anyone, anyone like me in that, in that case? I've got a few smiling people that is... That's fantastic. i love to see that. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're not like me, uh, here is uh, just one reason why you should be. Not like me, but, you know, excited about theology. Uh, here's just one reason. Uh, I love this quote from Jo Packer uh, who says, uh, theology is for doxology and devotion. Now, J. R. Packer was a, you know, a theologian and a lecturer uh, and, and he said theology is for doxology and devotion. Doxology means uh, just praise um, praise of God uh, and devotion is just that: uh, learning to uh, live your life for God, to be devoted to Him. And so He said, "You know, theology is is for those things." And, and so to remind his students of this uh, in his theology lectures, uh, they would sing, they would stand up, and they would sing the praise of God. Then, of course, they go out and they would live for God as well, because theology is is for those things. Uh, it's not just a a download of information. Uh, to remember. Uh, but it's about understanding God, our relationship with Him, uh, and that affecting us, uh, experiencing that joy, growing in that relationship and obedience to God. Uh, theology is for those wonderful things. Uh, so, over the next four weeks, uh, that is our goal. Uh, we want to know God, but we also want to love God and obey God as well, because uh, that is what theology is for. So be excited, please. Uh, and we're going to begin here by reading uh, the, the statement on the Bible, just so we've got it there. And this will kind of form uh, the, the outline or the structure of the next four weeks. Um, so let's have a read of this together. Uh, it says The Bible, Old Testament and New, is God's revelation to us, it is God breathed and infallible as originally given and has supreme authority in all matters of faith, conduct and experience. Scripture is sufficient for knowing God and his plan. It is not only central to the well-being of the church, but is able to thoroughly equip the Christian community for life and godliness. Uh, So that's the statement as it reads in our beliefs um, uh, statement. You can read that. Um, But today the focus is just going to be on that very first part, The Bible, Old Testament and New, is God's revelation to us and it is God-breathed. So we'll begin by looking at the Bible, uh, just briefly. Now, the Bible is um, 66 books, uh, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, uh, Old Testament before Jesus, uh, New Testament after Jesus. Can we get the next bit up? Thanks, Ian. Thank you. Uh, 40, uh, 40 or so authors of the Bible... Um, and these were, you know, sh- some were shepherds, uh, fishermen, uh, kings, prophets wrote the Bible. Uh, and they wrote at different times, right? Uh, over a period of 1,500 years. Um, so the, the last bit of the Bible was written, you know, the first century AD, but, but 14 centuries before that, uh, the Bible was being, was being written. Uh, and it was written in different languages. So Hebrew mainly uh, for the Old Testament and Greek mainly for the New Testament with a little bit of Aramaic. Uh, and it was also written in different places. Right? It was written in deserts, uh, in prisons, in royal courts, and of course, it, it contains different kinds of writing, different genres. So, like, it's got narrative, it's got law, it's got prophecy, <laughs> poetry, etc. Um, now, I just, as you look at that, right? When you when you put all that up there and, and put it together, uh, what kind of book would you expect the Bible to be? <laughs> it should be a mess. This should just be a mess of a thing. Uh, All these people writing over all this time and all these places, all these different backgrounds, uh, it should be a mess. But what do we have before us? Instead, we find this remarkable book uh, telling one big story. The question is how could such a book come to be? Uh, Well, the Bible tells us why uh, because it has one author. God is the author of the Bible. And the Bible is God's revelation to us. Uh, That is the the next part of our statement. The Bible is God's revelation to us. Uh, And revelation, you know, it's about revealing something. Um, So it's about making something that is unknown, known. Uh, And revelation is is really the foundation of understanding the Bible. So we're going to spend some time thinking about this. Um, God revealing himself. How does he do that? Uh, Well, God does that by speaking to us. And we know that. Like, how do you get to know somebody? Right, you speak to them. You, you ask them questions and get to know them. Uh, I remember uh, being in a car with my wife, Sammy. Before she was my wife, uh, before um, we were dating, before she really even knew who I was, um, her mother and her were driving uh, me and them down to this holiday park down the coast for three hours. Uh, and now, I really liked Sammy but I sat in the back and didn't say a word for three hours. Okay, I did not say a thing. It is amazing that we are together today. Okay, it is, that is a miracle. Um, but I was just thinking, Sammy's probably I didn't ask her, but he's probably sitting in the front seat thinking, who is this mystery man in the back of the car who's just not saying a word to me? Anyway, we got past that. But uh, likewise with God, God would be a mystery to us if he did not speak. Uh, If God does not reveal himself to us, we would not know him. Uh, But because God desires to be known by us, uh, he wants us to know him, uh, he speaks to us so we can know him. That's a wonderful thing. So we're going to talk about how does God speak to us? Okay, well, we're going to talk about two main ways. Uh, The first one is God speaks to us in creation. Did you ever think about that? Uh, It's called his general revelation. God speaks in creation. Uh, Here's Psalm 19. It talks about this. Go next slide, thanks. Uh, Psalm 19. Uh, It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. So you see all the speaking words in that psalm? We've got declare, proclaim, they pour forth speech, Uh, their voice goes out, uh, they reveal. All right, who who saw the blood moon the other night? Anyone see? Anyone take a photo with their iPhone like I did? Can we zoom in on that? Ian, is that all right? There we go. All right. That's much better. Oh, it looks much better, uh, the blood moon, uh, me and Sam were outside looking at it and I could hear people out in the streets like looking up at this, at the moon, uh, it's amazing, it was an amazing spectacle uh, and this is just one example of how God speaks to us through creation um, and God is always speaking through his creation, every day, day after day, Uh, But it's called a general revelation, right? Because um, the scope is general. It's to all people, right? Anyone can go and look at the moon. Um, And it's also general in its content. So it it only tells us there is a creator, but doesn't tell us who that creator is or or what he thinks or anything like that. And so the problem with the general revelation is as we look at it, uh, because of our sinful nature... Our fallen condition as humans, when we look at the general revelation, um, we get it wrong. Uh, we don't see God in it. Uh, this is what Paul talks about in Romans and uh, you can go there to f- read more about this, but here's a snapshot. Uh, Paul says when, when humans look at creation, uh, although they know God or although they knew God or something about God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human a mortal human being uh, and birds and animals and reptiles. So this is what happens when, when God speaks in creation. Uh, people can know that, that he is powerful and that he is probably worthy of our praise, uh, but, but our sinful hearts uh, don't do that. Instead, we exchange God uh, for idols or, you know, animals and birds and reptiles. But mainly the number one idol we exchange God for uh, is ourselves, the, the human idol. Um, and that is what we do when we look at creation. Rather than serving God like we should, we serve ourselves. And so for us, for us to know God and to be in a saving relationship with him... Uh, to treat Him like we ought to, uh, we need more than just a general revelation. Uh, And so thankfully, the the second way that God speaks to us is that He speaks in His Word. Uh, And this is what's called a special revelation. And so we need God's special revelation uh, to make sense of the general revelation. Uh, an illustration of this would be I've heard that people... Who wears glasses? I can see who wears glasses. No need to answer. Yep, there we go. Um, I've heard about you know, people with bad vision. Um, you know, before they have glasses, they'll look at a tree or something. Tell me if this is true. Look at a tree in the distance and it's just a green blob. Is that right? Yeah? Before you get glasses. But then you get these glasses and you put them on and in the distance now is this beautiful tree and you can see the leaves upon the tree and the detail and it's just... It's mind-blowing. I remember my sister, when this happened, she was kept telling me, look at the trees. Like, you know, she was amazed by them all of a sudden. I was like, I know, I can see them. That's fine. Um, but that is kind of like what special revelation is like. Special revelation is like uh, this pair of glasses that we can put on or God puts on us and uh, it makes sense of the general revelation uh, so we can know the God who made everything. Um, and God, this special revelation... Um, it's, it's God's acting and speaking in history. Uh, when God breaks in and does things and tells us why he does those things so we can know him. Um, so God does this in the Old and New Testaments, we see it. Um, so firstly, the Old Testament, uh, we see God uh, God's special revelation in the book of Exodus. So great book, chose this because hopefully we've all read the stories as a kid. Uh, but we know God's people were slaves in Egypt and and Moses had left them behind, and he was minding his own business, watching some sheep. And God revealed Himself to Moses in a burning bush, and He spoke to him, and He said, "Go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go." And so then, of course, you know the rest of the story. Um, God performs these mighty acts uh, in the Exodus; these plagues, like everyone could see them, they were huge. But you think about it, if all God did was the acts themselves, the plagues in Egypt, the Israelites uh, would have been like us looking at creation. They would have seen them but not known who was doing them. They might have seen the plagues and go, you know, I, I wonder who is doing all this. Uh, and I wonder what's the point of all these plagues. You know, maybe it's the Egyptian gods. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's Mother Nature. Um, you know, we-, we just don't know who's doing this stuff. And so alongside the acts that God does, he also speaks uh, to explain those things to us so he can be known. We see a great verse in uh, Exodus chapter 6 where uh, God says this. Uh, He says to Moses, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So God here, he speaks alongside his acts so that they will know him. So the Israelites will know that I am the Lord your God who saved you. And then he's really done it. He wants them to know he's done it to be in a relationship with them so so that I can be your God and you can be my people. Uh, And so God's acting and speaking go together uh, so that we can know God. And then later on, uh, importantly for us, as we think about the Bible today, later on, God tells Moses to write down uh, these things as well for the future generations. Uh, So we see that in Exodus 32. Then the Lord said to Moses, write down these words. For in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. And so we see that God uh, makes this, this move from, from acting uh, to speaking, so we know that he's acted, uh, to the written word uh, for future generations. Uh, and this is God revealing himself. And this is also what we see in the New Testament. And uh, the writer to the Hebrews does us a, a wonderful favour by transitioning us from Old Testament to New Testament uh, when he says this. He says, in the past, or in the, in the Old Testament... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, in the New Testament period, uh, he has spoken to us by his Son. And of course, that is Jesus. Uh, And we see these same things uh, in Jesus, uh, his his acting and his speaking and the written word. Um, So, of course, Jesus, he was the the full and final revelation of God. Uh, He made the invisible God visible and we'll look at a few verses from John to see these things. And so John tells us that no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And so Jesus made God known to us through the things that he did and the things that he said. We've been looking through John, we've seen all those things. And John fourteen eleven actually captures both in one verse, which is wonderful. Uh, Jesus said, believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, so he's, he's speaking, but also, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. And so the things that Jesus does, uh, both these things are revealing uh, who God is. And then, of course, Jesus uh, commanded, uh, promised that his word would be also written down for the future generations. And so we see that in John 14:26, when he promises the Spirit. He says, "The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. And so we have our, our New Testament as well as the Old Testament, and revelation really that is that is the foundation for understanding the Bible, um, that God desires to be known uh, and has made himself known through his actions and his speaking and his, and his written word. Uh, we can know God. And so as we, as we then reflect upon the Bible, uh, or as the New Testament writers reflected upon the Bible, it's no surprise that when they spoke about, you know, the Old Testament, the Word of God, um, that they spoke about it as being God-breathed. All right, we're going to look at what that means. The Bible is God-breathed. Of course, it's a phrase that Paul used in that passage we read out uh, as he's writing to Timothy, uh, his protege, encouraging him uh, to preach and teach the word. Uh, We'll we'll read it in its context and we'll talk about what it means. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, "'But as for you, continue in what you have learned "'and have become convinced of, "'because you know those from whom you learned it, "'and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures.'" which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. Now what Paul means when he says that the the scriptures are God-breathed is that that what we have uh, written in the written form of the word of God is God's breathed out words. They are his very words words that we have. And right, this is true, even though you think back to the start of what we're talking about, this is true even though uh, they were written by by men, by 40 different authors. um, It's still God's word. And how can that be? Uh, Well, there's another famous passage that talks about this in uh, 2 Peter. And this is another great verse that helps us understand how the scriptures are God-breathed. So Peter says... Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so what he's saying there is Scripture, you know, even though uh, the prophets who wrote it were these human uh, men, right? It, it never had its origin in the human will but they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? Well, it's not that the Holy Spirit kind of uh, possessed them, like they were just you know, blacked out and wrote Scripture and then came back to, and there, you know, there was the letter. Uh, the Spirit didn't work that way. Um, and it wasn't that the authors were just kind of inspired by the Holy Spirit, like we might say, you know, uh, a, 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 an artist was inspired to paint this beautiful painting. It wasn't that the Spirit worked that way either. Uh, but to say that the Spirit carried them along uh, means that the God the Holy Spirit is working sovereignly uh, in and through and with these authors and not just in the moment of writing but across the course of their whole life so that when they, they did write the scripture they wrote exactly the words that God wanted them to write. Uh, That's what it means for them to be carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so even though the Bible had these 40 human authors, uh, it really only had one author, uh, and that is God. And so what we have in the Bible is his God-breathed revelation. Now, last week, you might remember, I asked you to bring in your sort of favourite Bible. Anyone do that? Yeah, one, yeah. God, look at this, there's a few. I brought mine in, okay? So I had this, you know, the, the, uh, the cardboard Bible cover was all the rage at college, right? that's why I've got that. Um, you could just buy one, but I made one out of cardboard. Anyway, this, this is my Bible. This is, this is my sort of my favourite, my friend, uh, the one I've had for a long time. Uh, it's got coffee stains, it's got highlighting, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I just wanted us to think about, uh, as we're closing here, I just wanted to think about what a treasure... This is uh, what a treasure it is to have the word of God uh, at our fingertips. Right, to have the very word of God in your hand, right, the creator of the universe, revealing himself to us. The God who made you is speaking, uh, telling us how we can have a relationship with him. Right, we, have this, we have this right in front of us uh, in the pages of a book. And I just wonder, how does that make you feel? Uh, How do you you feel about having the Word of God so close, so near, uh, so wonderful? Uh, How should it make you feel? Maybe that's a better question. Uh, Psalm 119, I think, is is there to help us with that. Uh, We read that as well. And in this, um, the psalmist tells us uh, how he feels about the Word of God, the written Word of God. Uh, It's like one long love poem uh, if you read it, it's almost a little bit embarrassing, like you're reading someone's you know, mail, um, but it's, it's a wonderful um, psalm. And, and here's just a few things that we read this morning, thinking about how we ought to feel about the word. Uh, he writes, "'I rejoice in following your statutes "'as one rejoices in great riches. "'My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. "'Your statutes are my delight.' Uh, and that is just a small sample it goes on for 176 verses uh, in pretty similar fashion and i wonder is that how you feel about god's word uh, do you rejoice in it more than you rejoice in anything uh, is your soul consumed with longing for god's word and right, it's not because we you know love the pages or the or the words or things like that uh, it's because we love the god that those words reveal. Uh, that is why the psalmist loves that word. That is why we ought to love that word. And now I don't think, uh, if you're like me and I, you know, I'm like this, I don't think any of us would say that um, we treasure the scriptures uh, like we ought to, like the psalmist does. Um, but I think if, if you're like me as well, if, if you have the spirit, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, um, I think you'll agree that this is your desire You want to love God and his word this way. And so I was really encouraged this week. I looked back over our NCLS survey. Remember that little survey we did back in 2016? And there was this question um, that was just really encouraging. Uh, It said time, it was about time spent in private prayer, Bible reading and meditation. And 39% of us uh, said that we are reading the Bible a few times a week. And 33% said they read it most days or or every day. So that is, together, 72% of people uh, in the Word of God regularly throughout the week, uh, from among our church, that is. Uh, And I just think that is is fantastic. Uh, I think that is a great start um, because we all know we've all got work to do in this space. Uh, We all want to be readers of God's Word and lovers of God's Word. uh, But that is a fantastic start uh, and that is something for us to work with and look i think the big step uh, for us in this the uh, sort of a first step and a big step uh, is just to recognise the treasure that the bible is right to know that you know this is this is god breathed revelation at your fingertips and i think just to recognise that uh, is a great first step that ought to encourage you to pick it up and to read it uh, and to read it more and more And so hopefully that that is something that we will grow in uh, over the course of our lives, but particularly across uh, these next four weeks uh, as we look at the Word of God. But of course, uh, the other thing we ought to be doing uh, is praying, uh, praying that God will transform our hearts uh, to love him and to love his Word. And so let's do that now. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you uh, for your desire to be known by us and, Father, for revealing yourself so that we can know you. Father, we thank you for the word that became flesh, Jesus Christ, and that through him we can have an eternal saving relationship with you. And, Father, we thank you for your precious written word and that you continue to speak today through it. And we pray that you would turn our hearts toward you and toward your word. Uh, Give us a longing for it, uh, the kind of longing that the psalmist speaks about, so that we might read it, uh, so that we might know you better, and Lord, so that we might enjoy you uh, and obey you for all our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.